And now, the Saxinian family presents Let's Rage Coup, streaming on the Houston Roundball Review YouTube channel. Gotta love that intro, Dan. I see a smile on your face every time you hear it. Um, luckily for us, it is on the heels of a good victory for the University of Houston Cougars football team after they finally did it. Not only um, they, a lot of firsts in this game, not only that they finally not have a game go down uh, to the final possession in a victory, Houston comes out victorious against the Navy midshipmen, 38-20. to 20. Clayton Toon put together his best performance of the season. I think overall the offense uh, by far had their best performance of the season. But joining me as always, Dayon Dunlap. Uh, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, man. Got a good win. Looked good doing it for the most part. So I'm doing well. How about you guys? I'm doing good. Joining us, Chris Gardner of the Houston Roundball Review. First of all, thank you for allowing us to use your platform on the YouTube channel as well. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, man. No, my pleasure to have you guys part of the family. So anything I can do to help to uh, the coverage of UH Athletic, I'm all for it. Awesome. So let's get right into the game and let's start uh, right with Clayton Toon's performance because I think right there that's the story of the game. Uh, really overall just how crisp the offense looked and heading into the week. I think the big question that had kind of get, gotten brought up was just how is the offense going to look different after the flash that, that they showed in that fourth quarter against Memphis where uh, Clayton Toon was able to lead to three touchdown drives in that comeback. Well, Houston from the very get-go looked sharp on offense. It started off with that huge 20-plus yard completion completion to Tank Dell. They were able to effortless, effortless, effortlessly drive down the field, and it ended in a touchdown for Tank Dell. And really, it was just full steam ahead for Houston from there. When you look at Toon's overall game performance, he finished 21-30, 261 passing yards. He had five touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, there's nothing much uh, better you could have asked for the quarterback. I'm going to be – I'm going to I'm going to kind of steal Dayon's thunder because I'm really curious about his thoughts on it. Clayton Toon also had some moments where I was like, oh, <laughs> oh man, you held onto the ball too long there, or things like that. So the numbers are great. Touchdowns are great. He did some things that kind of surprised me. Um, giving up the sack, the sack fumble, which allowed Navy to score. Navy's not very good. This is one of those years that Navy does not have a lot of talent. So, but the game was close a little bit in the third quarter. The missed field goals by Navy, that helped as well, but you guys tell me. It looked like Houston was much more aggressive offensively, which we've been asking for for weeks. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and I'm not surprised about that. Me and Andy talked about that during the week, and I kind of figured they would be more aggressive passing early to kind of build the lead because, you know, Navy um, more than likely is going to win the time of possession battle. So you, you want to get behind – get against a team like Navy, and I think they came out and did that. But the main thing for me was consistency throughout the football game. They were consistently moving the ball, consistently completing passes, just consistently doing good things. He had time to throw. But there was always going to be times, it seems like, um, there's been where it's just like, come on. It's a clay, come on, man, moment. I would say that. Like, come on, man, moment. <laughs> And so, but other than that, that was the main thing that I took away. Like, they're consistently executing on offense, completing passes, getting yards, just getting positive plays to help sustain drives. And they spread mm -hmm. the ball around a lot of the offense. So, that yeah. was also a thing we wanted to see for weeks. So, that was good to see also. 
Yeah, not not only that, what I was going to say, you know, when it comes to spreading around uh, the ball, we saw Christian Trahan involved early in the first quarter, uh, but we saw a couple of other tight ends involved too, Matt Burns. Um, he got his first touchdown of the season. Stacy Sneed, who came in, um, he got a couple of passes um, in the receiving game, but he came in and was an excellent running back for Houston, especially after the fumble by Brandon Campbell that um, it looked like a bit there. It might have been the... Uh, it could have been it could have led to momentum for Navy. Um, it cut their deficit in half. But Stacy Sneed came in and had a very great game. He actually ended up rushing for 100 yards, didn't score a touchdown. But I thought he was really good in the backfield. He, he did a good job bouncing outside when the middle was jammed up and either bounced left or to the right to get those extra yards. So a lot of positives in the, in the game. And as we see it on the screen there, the Cougs moved, moved above 500 They're now four and three. Um, I two just, and one in conference play, which is the most important thing. That's that's important because the players still have their goal within sight to get to the conference championship game. Navy, I'm not sure how much it, to. Uh, I don't read it too much into it. I want to be Donald Downer on this performance because a win is a win. They they did what they had to do. They beat a team they're better than. Let's put it like that, okay? But <laughs> I think there are there are better teams in the conference. The Navy, it'd have been disastrous, <laughs> disastrous if the Cougs would have lost today to Navy, but they didn't. They won by 18 points. They did enough to get the job done. Clayton Toon, five TD passes. So let's be happy with the win and move on to next week. And fellas, I think next week is homecoming, right? Yep. Yes, sir. Against South Florida. Yep. And, and I want to piggyback on a few things that Chris said that I agree with it was exactly what was Sneed had a great vision today, showed great explosion um, whenever he picked his hole and got out in the open field. And also the second thing was they just beat a team that they're better, in, better than. Yeah. I mean, like I don't really take much stock into it outside of doing what he was expected to do. And sometimes it isn't always as easy said than done. So I'm going to, like Chris, I'm going to give them credit. And that's how it looked. They just, up front, they were better. Offensive line, defensive line, Clayton Toon had plenty of time to throw the football. And then the skill positions, um, from cornerback to receiver, we were just uh, better overall. So just like Chris said, I mean, good win, but let's move on to the next point. And one thing that they did good against Memphis, what they did this week was spreading the ball around. I mean, like Trey Hand got involved. Um, Brown got involved. He had two touchdowns. He had over 100 yards last week. And so I, I, I like that because you're still going to need more threats outside of um, Tank Dell. And I want to ask you, Andy, before we get any further, is there is this an indication of Coach Hogerson calling on more of the plays or Coach Dawson opening up the playbook? Well, that, that's a good question. That's something that we're going to need to follow up uh, follow up on on Monday because the TV broadcast kind of slipped that in there, and I'm not sure if it was, they just said it in general, but I, I think I can't remember if it was towards the first or second quarters, but they – they kind of said that Hogerson was, was the one calling place. Now, I don't know if they just meant it in general that he's the one that oversees the offense. Um, we haven't heard anything from Dana Hogerson specifically since the bye that he has taken over play calling duties. Uh, but it does look like they are just, again, going back to what Clayton Toon said earlier this week leading up to the game, they look much more comfortable passing the ball. Now, give credit to the offensive line because throughout the entire season, we've um, we've – 
really homered on how they struggled throughout the season, especially when it comes to blocking. And I know, uh, Chris, you mentioned how it difficult it is or how there were a couple of times where two probably held the ball a little bit too long, especially on that fumble, the strip sack. <clears throat> but I think that's kind of a byproduct of the great job that the offensive line was able to do, at least against Navy. There was multiple times when Clayton Toon had all day to throw. He was five, ten seconds. He could have counted where each receiver was. He knew exactly what play was developing, and he had more than enough time to be able to find his receivers, and I think that's really what benefited him and made him look so good. That's something that's been the conversation. When Clayton Toon has time, he looks like one of the best quarterbacks in all of college football now. That's been the big question um, all season long. There's been times when he hasn't been able to have time, and sometimes he does end up holding the ball too much that, that it hurts him. But I think against Navy, that was a big plus for the offensive line. A big plus, but hold on now, Andy. He's had time throughout the season. That hasn't been the issue that he just hasn't had time. He hasn't just looked good because he hasn't. Well, not all the time, but I'm saying that has been moments. Well, and, and today, some, some of that – line credit was Navy rushed three people. So they dropped they dropped eight back. You know, Navy had a lot of success, you know, for them when they blitzed. When they run blitzed or they gave different lo- looks, sent the DB from the weak side, because there were there were some times when the Cougs missed the, the blitz pickup, didn't pick it up, and th- those are issues. So Navy does not have the personnel to do that more often because it was successful you know, somewhat for them. But I think the stat was Navy had given up coming into the game, uh, 20-yard or more play, 31 times so far before today's game. And, and they did more today when the Cougs beat them with big plays. So Navy's just – their defense is not good enough, you know, in spurts consistently. But that's Navy's problem. This is the less rage mm-hmm. Cougs. We're going to talk about the Cougs getting this win, 38-20, to improve to four and three overall and two and one in conference. And yet in the subject to this credit, I mean, now that we're, let's, we'll switch gears a little bit, kind of head into the next segment, but let's flip it around and focus on the job that the Houston defense did, because again, going back to leading into the week and, and kind of really going back before the bye week, how big that win was for Houston against Memphis. Something that Donovan Newton said um, leading up to the week on Tuesday was that that win against Memphis did a lot for the Cougars' confidence, just in terms of being able to, to show that they they have the confidence in themselves to be the team that they were expected to be heading into the season. Now, obviously, the, the first six games was a lot of adversity. It was a lot of up and downs, particularly for the defense in late game situations, not being able to make the play that seals the win. They had a chance against Texas Tech. They had again a chance again against Tulane. Um, and we all know how Kansas was able to, to really um, – run all over the Houston defense in that game um, against Memphis. They were able to multiple times just just looking at the fourth quarter and, and in that game overall after the first quarter, they gave up those two touchdowns. They were able to hold them to field goals the rest of the way, and particularly in the fourth quarter when Houston made that comeback, they were really pivotal. And to end that game with the sack to not even give Memphis the opportunity to drive down the field and, and either – be in a position to kick a game-winning field goal, I think that was huge. And I think you saw a lot of that swagger now. Again, Chris, like you mentioned, it was Navy. Uh, 
it. But Houston looked like they, one, were really, really disciplined. They didn't allow any of those options or play actions and all the trickery that Navy likes to do schematically um, really hurt them. There was a couple of times when Navy uh, would have chunk plays, but that's going to happen over the course of the game. I think this is by far the best game that the defense had overall. And you know, 14 of those 20 points that they gave up, or really seven of those 14 or 13 points that they gave up, um, they were on the defense, but one of them came off uh, a short field off the fumble from Brandon Campbell. And then or it wasn't a short field, but it was off the fumble by Brandon Campbell. And then the other was uh, the other was there's well, the other was on the bomb that they gave up late in the fourth quarter towards the end of the game. And then obviously, of course, the scoop and score that Navy had. So I think overall, this performance by by the Houston defense was the best it's been all season. And, and let's also say. I think you guys correct me if I'm wrong when I say this. Yeah, you know, only four penalties for the Cougs today. That's got to be the best number so far this season, right? It is by far. The previous best was seven um, against Memphis this past week. So, again, another step heading in the right direction. So, that's that's good. Go ahead. No, I'm just going to piggyback off Andy when he talked about the defense. Yeah, they really played well. They were consistently good as well. Uh, being able to, to stifle the run game. And really what stuck out to me was the play their defensive backs were able to make, and especially that interception, the the second interception. That one was very impressive, just simple man-to-man coverage, stifling the run, stifling the run. and then uh, DB just made a play. And they tackled well. Normally yes. when you, yeah, when you uh, give up a lot of yards and against Navy, it's normally because of missed tackles. But they really tackled well today. And they did a great job. I mean, I think this, like Andy said, I think this probably was one of their best games they put together on film this year. Navy had 50 carries for 200 yards. That's, that's four yards a carry. That is a solid defense. That's solid defense. And it's kind of to go some of the things that are one of the emphasis that Dana Horgerson mentioned about time of possession. Navy won that time of possession to add on to your point, uh, Chris. So uh, the Houston defense was out there a lot during the game, and there was really not much that the midshipmen could do on a consistent basis, um, in particular whenever they had to go um, off without no momentum, without off the turnover, without having to go the distance. Houston's defense was really good. They, the Navy midshipmen, were not in the red zone a single time in this game against Houston, which is just absurd to think about. And there was a couple of times on the fourth down where they were able to stuff uh, the midshipmen out and really uh, cause a lot of turnover on downs and just not get, not give them any momentum, which is something, um, like we mentioned, there's been times where, and this is for the entire team, not just the offense, but where they've had lapses um, that, that allows uh, opposing teams to be able to go on these drives, maybe that helped turn the tide in the game. That was not really the case against Navy. And, Dan, you mentioned the two interceptions that Houston had. They also had – I mean, they only had one sack, but they also had seven tackles for loss. Uh, seven tackles for loss. And I think overall the defensive line for Houston did a really good job. And we talked about it on our pod, Simon Jamma podcast, the battle in the trenches. I think the Houston defense and Houston's offensive line, they did a really good job of dominating up front. Which allowed Donovan Newton to get – 13 tackles, five solo. Mm-hmm. And the defensive line, especially against Navy in that option, is you get the pressure up front and everybody maintains their gaps and their assignments. It makes it much easier for the linebackers and, and safeties to to fill and tackle. And there were not a lot of missed tackles in today's game as Deion touched on it, which is a, another positive step in the right direction for the Cougs defense because we saw that a lot in the previous mm-hmm. games this season. 
So a lot of positives to build on going forward. We can talk about it more. Uh, homecoming next Saturday. We're all alums here. I think we got alums tuning in and watching the show on all the platforms. So uh, we can get into that more. And, and how big a deal is this win, Andy? Dayon? Uh, I think it's big in a, in a sense of it keeps you in the running to potentially make a conference championship game. And so I, I think in that sense, it's big because I mean, it could, I don't want to say easily, but it could have been a loss. And it would have been just as big as it was a loss as a big of a win is. So I think you got to celebrate your wins one win at a time. And so I think it's key because you lose this game, then you most likely are done. And so um, they took care of business. I mean, it's good to win a team. You're better than a team. You look like it and you execute it. And you, so I, I got to give them credit for actually looking like the better team, playing like the better team, getting the penalties down. They actually looked fresh this week. And to me, it looked like Coach Hogerson was calling place. He had his play sheet. Um, you saw him talking multiple times. And so, I mean, it's good to see him doing that because the offense has struggled. And if that's your specialty, if he was doing that, which hasn't been confirmed, then I, I think that's a good adjustment during a bye week um, that he would made or should have made, in my opinion. It was a workmanlike, a workmanlike win. And that, that's, that's important because, you know, we could quibble about, well, the red zone struggles. It took him a lot longer to score down close in the, in the red zone area and, and things that they weren't able to punch it in off the first play and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Things work on. They got the win. They won by 18 points. They did what they're supposed to do. Um, Clayton Toon had his best game of the season. Five touchdowns, no picks. He did have the, the one fumble, sack fumble. But overall, he played well, and I think it's something to build on. And now I'm going to be I'm going to be picky, picky slash petty day on and Andy. Hmm. Next week's a home game, right? Yes, sir. Home game, homecoming. Decent opponent in South Florida. How many people, how many coups will fill the stadium next Saturday? Our predictions, if I had to predict, I would say somewhere in between 20, 25,000, I'd say. 25,000. Yeah, what do you say? 25,000 sounds like a lot. But it's not, but it but it, it is. Sounds like like like, yeah. I guess it's not a lot. What's the capacity? 40,000? 40,000. Yeah. 40,000. Uh, yeah, I'd say anywhere, anywhere from 20 to 25. Wow. And I, I will say that the... I mean, I'm going to be positive. I'm going to be the, positive. It's going to be close to 30,000. Really? <laughs> The attendance, the attendance against yeah. Tulane was just over 24,000, so that'd be a, a big step. Again, they, they had over 30,000 in that home opener against Kansas, so um, that, that would be pretty big if they were able to, to lock in and get 30,000. Um, real quickly before we transition, I did uh, want to talk one final point about the defense, and then uh, overall, just when it comes to the turnovers that they were able to get, especially in the secondary, we know um, how they were coming in shorthanded just in terms of the injuries, um, especially the biggest ones, Alex Hogan is going to be out for the season. That's what Dana Horson has said. Those two interceptions uh, by Javarius Owens and by Art Green, I think they were um, – hopefully it's something that continues to build uh, momentum, like something we, we – I mentioned the, the play of the defensive line 
heading into this game and, and what they were able to do against Navy. I think that's something that hopefully can spark a lot of benefit for, for a lot of those defensive backs, especially Jace Rogers, who continues to, um, I mean, he continues his positive play. He had the 100-yard return kickoff against Memphis two weeks ago, and now he gets an interception in this game. So hopefully he continues to, to make plays and, and get his name out there. And I think uh, TV time has not been announced yet for next Saturday, right? No, ESPN, they they are waiting. They I can't remember the specific thing of it where they're like have the flexibility. It's either going to be, yeah, it's either going to be, it's either going to be, yeah, it's either going to be an 11 a.m. kickoff or 2.30 p.m. kickoff. If it's at 2 or 2.30, it'll be on ESPN Plus. If it's 11 a.m., it'll be on ESPN U, I believe was the last um, the last I, I remember of the check. So uh, we'll still have to see about that. But we will transition back to the offense and we'll bring up the hoop and holler banner here who will be sponsoring the next two segments. We'd like to thank them, the Houston Cougars Sports Micro Collective, that they are the entity behind the Star Pizza commercials, um, which you will see in a moment later on in the show. So Big props to them for being able to be one of the sponsors of the show. And obviously, of course, big props to our main sponsor, our primary sponsor, the Saxinian family, who has supported us for the for five football games of the season following the initial four to start off the year. Uh, I'd like to take this time to be uh, to kind of self-plug that we are still looking for sponsors for the remaining football games of the season, for the final four football games of the season, not counting any postseason action, which Yes, Chris, Houston, now that they are 4-3, they are only two games away from being bowl eligible. Two, two wins, two wins. Two wins away, two wins, not two games, two wins. You're right, that's a, that's a very good caveat from being bowl eligible, which, um, well, that would make them postseason eligible. So, once again, if you're interested in sponsoring Let's Rage Cougs, feel free to contact us at, at you see it on the ticker, at letsragecoops at gmail.com. Oh, and obviously, of course, we are now less than two weeks away, three weeks away. <laughs> From the tip off of the men's basketball season, they tip off on November 7th against Northern Colorado. So that's going to be another hot ticket. Um, and you don't want to miss it. So be a part of being a sponsor with Let's Rage Cougs. And on that note, I said we we're going to transition back to the offense. I want to focus in particular when it comes to the receivers group, because uh, especially early on, we had Tank Dell was carving up Navy. Uh, mm-hmm. The midshipman had no answer for it for Tank, and he was able to score those two touchdowns early. But I think most importantly, and it's something that we've touched on in the past in our podcast day on, uh, how important it is to be able to get a lot of other receivers to get out there, and specifically Sam Brown, who had two touchdowns of his own. He's starting to really come into his own. But Keyshawn Carter, he had one heck of a catch um, towards the middle of the game where it it looked like the ball was in the air. He was able to um, adjust and come up with the big catch, and obviously it, it, it a play later, a play or two later, it ended up in the fumble um, by Brandon Campbell. But that was just a heck of a catch. And again, that's what you want to see if you're Houston. A lot of these other receivers are starting to make plays and, and show that they can be out there and give defenses, not allow them to be able to focus solely on Tank Dell. Yep. And that was something I think I mentioned a little bit, but um, you're right. I think Brown has had to come in our part the last two games against Memphis. He had over 100 yards today. He had two touchdowns and he, he's really winning one on one. He definitely looks like um, a, D, a good receiver that I should say coming over from West Virginia. He definitely looks like a playmaker. And I think 
we need to keep giving him involved. He's one of the players who looks like he can consistently make plays whenever he gets one-on-one coverage. And, and Carter, he stepped up again. I think the last two games have been big for him as well. And he, he's grown. He's played a lot of football. And so I'm not surprised to see him, um, Clayton, go to him in big situations, key downs, and him be prepared and be good enough to make the plays. So all the receivers play good. They got Trey Hand involved early. I think he, he's a valuable piece because he kind of opens up the field for them if you have to – if you can show his threat in the middle of the field. But also, like, I know they were aggressive early on, but they still were balanced and, and not just pass happy. They still had a good balanced attack, and Snead really played well with over 100 yards rushing, as you see on your screen. And so I still like the balanced attack. And it was still like the, the versatile versatility in their offense and all those air raid systems. 34 carries, 21 passes, six different players caught a pass. That's what Coach Hogerson wants. He doesn't want to – he prefer – let me say it like that. He preferred not to have to throw the ball 40, 50 times a game and to run the ball more and give the defense a chance to catch their breath on the sideline and, and just pound the ball. So I think this is what – I mean, they had they – had, the Cougs' average carry was 5.3 yards per rush. That's more than Navy. Not many folks would think that, you know, for Navy to win games, they'd have to win that, the uh, average rushing totals. They didn't. So another good sign for the Cougs offense and the Cougs defense. Absolutely. And I think that that's the, the key right there, Dayon, like you said, that balance, um, something that Dayon always has preaching. And it's huge. And I think the most important thing is a lot of decisiveness or a lot of plays where, especially in regards to Clayton Toon specifically, you know, he was able to not only the, the good passing game that he had, but he also rushed it nine times. He was able to get 43 yards and a couple of those uh, rushes. They were designed runs and they came in crucial moments to be able to help pick up first downs. And it added that extra layer of versatility to the Houston offense that gave Navy uh, fits because a lot of Clayton Toon's run came on pivotal points, whether it was a third down. Um, I think there was one that even came on a fourth and one situation towards close to the goal line. Um, so they, they did a good job, again, to that versatility and kind of keeping Navy uh, for the cliche on their toes and not being able to know exactly what was coming next. And I think that's really what benefited Houston um, in this game. And again, I'm going to say it. It's Navy. We understand that. Tony M, Kickface King, who are tuning in on, on the YouTube channel. But it's a win. Wow. Look, Cincinnati held on to beat SMU. Look at the final score there. It's 29-27. So they continue to win. They continue to win. They're still undefeated, I think, the Bearcats, to be Offense. the class of the, of the division. And look at this Tulane. How about this, guys? Question for you. Did the Cougs come from behind, win over Memphis, zap Memphis for the rest of the season because they're now trailing Tulane 21 zip in That's the first solid. quarter. In the first quarter. And that, that come from behind was a great win for the Cougs and a, a, a big loss for Memphis. And to borrow from our good buddy, Galen Robinson Jr., it's always good. Memphis loses. <laughs> Yeah, no, you bring up a great point. And I, honestly, I think it did because we we got to see them not only that, but they followed up that Houston game with another tough battle against East Carolina. I believe that game went to overtime. So they've had back-to-back -back games that are really draining, and they came away with losses in both of those games. Now, give credit to Tulane because they are as good as advertised. I mean, we saw Houston fans got to see it. 
the the Green Wave up close and personal. I mean, that was without their quarterback, without their starting quarterback, and without their um, backup to the quarterback. Yes, so yep. we don't have to we don't have to go back there for Houston fans when it comes to what happened in that game. But again, going back to to Houston, it's another. Um, that, that two nine game, it was a big loss just because it was an opportunity to be able to take advantage and have that tiebreaker because Tulane, a healthy Tulane team, looks as good as advertised. And I think the important thing for Houston that they're going to have going for them, uh, UCF, Cincinnati, who, like you mentioned, uh, just won Tulane is up 21 nothing, And um, I, I need to check when, when UCF plays. But all three of those teams, they're going to play each other down the stretch in the season. Um, and UCF is not going to kick off until later today at 6.30 p.m against East Carolina. So um, that's going to be an interesting battle for UCF. But those three tank, those three teams at the top are going to play each other. So at the minimum, one of those teams, not actually at the minimum, if all three of them play each other, the second place team is going to have two losses in conference at minimum. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm doing this correctly, yep. which um, <laughs> means that Houston has a window there um, if they can take care of business, which I think it's more important. We'll talk about it on the other side of the segment about how important it is to not only this win against uh, Navy in particular, but to be able to do it in the fashion they did. Don't go anywhere you're listening or watching. So let's reach Coops live on the Houston Raw Bar Review YouTube channel. <laughs> Thank you for calling Star Pizza. This is Tim. How may I help you? This is DA Jones. I'm calling to order some pizza. Hey, Mr. Jones. Same order as last time? Same order as last time. Okay, and the delivery address? Man, we over on Sac Ave. Sac Avenue? Let me see if we even deliver there. We right here on your map. All right, we'll see you in about 45 minutes an hour. Thanks. Hurry up. We hungry. I'm hungry, man. We eat the best pizza on Sac Ave. I'm okay, though. Once again, major props to our sponsor, Instar Pizza, like you saw right there. The Hoop and Hollander Houston Semi Collective, they are the entity behind that commercial that you saw there. So be sure to give them a follow on Twitter at Hoop and Holler now. Um, it's the interesting way that you phrase it on Twitter. It's at H-O-O-P, the letter N-H-O-L-L-E-R-H-O-U on Twitter. Once again, they are the entity behind those Star Pizza commercials. Kind of shifting the conversation back to Houston. Not everything was perfect um, in the win for Houston. I think in particular, uh, coming out of halftime, it really looked like Houston let go of the gas there with just costly mistakes, the back-to-back fumbles um, in particular, especially the one on Tank Dell where, um, I mean, really he just got flat out stripped after a good completion um, and give credit to Navy. They were able to do a good job of being able to force those fumbles. Fortunately for Houston in that, in that one in particular, the one by Tank Dale, it, it resulted in a botched or not even a botch. It's just a missed field goal uh, by Navy. But then on the following drive, I, th- I think it was on the kickoff return where Jason Rogers fumbled and they recovered. I might be, I might not be remembering correctly, but I know Jason Rogers yeah, yeah, that was fumbled. I know he fumbled during the kickoff. They were able to recover. And then he, Clayton too, also had the strip sack that resulted straight in the points for Navy. Um, and I mean, it was in the third quarter. Dana Holgerson was frustrated. Obviously they showed him in the sidelines again, but that right there, they were playing a, a team that was much more, um, well, I mean, to be 
flat out, they had much more talent, that would make Houston pay. And we could be talking about a much different ball game. Um, again, coming off, coming out of the half, uh, really something that's just more mental laps. Um, and when it comes to not being able to have ball security, it's not like there were interceptions. This is just simply holding on to the ball. Yeah, a, a better team would have taken advantage of that, and maybe he's not. Yeah. But let me say this, and and Dan can, can add his three cents. Did y'all catch it? Correct me. I mean, did I hear this correctly? The announcer said when it, the score was 21-14 that if Navy would have made their two missed field goals, the game would be tied. They said something along <laughs> those lines, but I can't I cannot remember they meant both of the field goals, which if they did, obviously right there they were they were off by points. But they did yeah. say something along those lines. Because they had a problem with the score a few times throughout the ball game. Mm-hmm. I, I thought. But anyway. Dan, what were you going to say, my man? Uh, no, no, I was just uh, uh, agreeing with what you I was just agreeing with what you were saying. I mean, what, what Andy had just said right before you had started. Right, and is that something that should be cause for concern um, heading into the remainder of the conference games? Because I, I think that it, it's not that Houston, the Houston players can't secure the ball. That's just something when it comes to mental laps that going back to that inconsistency, it, it seems like they got comfortable um, after halftime. They were leading by double digits against Navy, and it's just, it seemed like a mental lap from the outside perspective. Let's say, y'all. Yeah, it was. I don't know if you call it mental lapse. It was definitely something that they can control. It was within their control. And like um, Chris said, a better team would have capitalized off those mistakes because it would happen back to back in which if they would have scored, I don't remember what the score was at that time, but if they would have scored back to back touchdowns, they would have been right back in the game. And so things like that that you can't have just in, in any football game. Luckily, the defense play how they play, but a better team definitely would have took advantage of that. And those are mistakes that Houston can't have, especially when you play against better teams a la in the Big 12. <laughs> and when it when it happened, I'll be honest, I really thought to myself, oh, no, here it goes again. Uh, same. <laughs> here same. It goes. <laughs> you know, the, the first half was good. They're doing, the re- they're doing the reverse. First half was good today, and they're struggling in the third quarter. I, that's what I thought. But they did enough. They got it done. They pulled away to get the win, win by 18 points. So it was just a hiccup in that third quarter. So it wasn't a major deal. It did not cost the game. So let's just, we could talk about it. Hopefully it's just one of those things that, you know, bad luck, bad bounces and move on with the W and be happy with it. No, but real quickly, uh, Dan, to answer your question about what the score was, it was 21-7 when the first strip happened to Tank Dell and it led to the missed field goal. Then off the strip sack that led to, to scoop and score for Navy, that made it 21-14. So, again, right there, it kind of, like you said, Chris, give credit to Houston. They were, they were able to shake it off and unnecessarily allow them to, to continue to, to bog them down like we have seen in the past where an interception here, a turnover there kind of, completely changed the script of the game. We've seen that in the past in particular. I mean, going back to the Kansas game, I believe they were up 14, I think it was 14-7, and then Clayton 2 in the interception um, kind of ignited the big run that the Kansas Jayhawks did in that game. So kudos to Houston to be able to put that in the rearview mirror not allow them to continue to affect them. Now, I put this comment up earlier, Chris. MH says he heard the exact same thing too, so there you have it. Um, two field goals would have made it 21-20, not 21-21, Chris, but you have it right there. 
Um, anything else in terms of the offense's performance in particular? Maybe it's something about the tight end production, like we mentioned, um, and something that we've hammered throughout the point of this show, in, in particular when it comes to Christian Trahan and how earlier in the game or earlier in the season, he the production wasn't really there when it came to catches. Now he only had one catch today for 28 yards that came in the first quarter. He had a couple of targets early on in that first drive. Um, but again, I think in particular when it comes to the versatility, I mentioned Matt Burns, who picked up his first touchdown of the season. He had two catches for 34 yards. Um, I think it's 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 a great sign that Houston is, again, going back to that versatility, is using a lot more of their weapons, which is something that we've called for in the past um, on this show, something the fans have mentioned. And I think it just adds that extra layer for the Houston offense. Agreed. And I mean, what we're doing is being picky. But honestly, this is game seven. Why did it take game seven to diversify the offense, to, to go to Trey and Matt Burns? To, uh, you know, I mean, injuries, I think maybe that's what it is. Some yeah, Christian receivers, Trey has been dealing with an injury. You know, but to the receiving core, it's opened up the offense for other players. But it does seem like the coaching staff has finally made a conscious effort to get more folks involved and include the tight ends in the play calling. Hopefully it's not too little too late. I mean, the conference championship is still within reach, you know, getting there. It's still within reach, but come on, man. I mean, all the fans, many fans from game one. And I think you remember it, got the messages to prove it (laughs) directly (laughs) about why aren't they getting the ball to the tight end? That was game one. So fans saw it. Fans questioned it. I guess we should be glad that it's happening now. And you still have five more games left in the regular season. Yeah, and when it comes to Christian Tran specifically, I mean, Dana Hogerson talked about him leading up during his Monday uh, weekly news conference. He said that, well, I mean, he called Christian Trahan Mr. Consistency. Uh, and the important thing that I can't remember if it was you, Chris, or James that brought it up, but he has an established rap report with, with Clayton Toon, that connection that they have in the past with what they've been able to build. Now, he did mention that Trahan has been dealing with back issues early on in the season with, I mean, that could be a big reason why he wasn't involved as much in in the passing game in particular early on in the season. But, again, you're seeing that now that they have much more weapons around him. It's not just Christian Trahan, but Matt Burns was able to step in and make uh, a couple of big plays. But and certainly, during, at least during the first uh, four games of the season, it didn't seem like the tight end position was much of a factor for Houston in the passing game. Yeah, and I'm like Chris. I'm like, why, why is just now some of these – adjustments being made i mean I, although they're you got to give credit for them for making them but some of the things have been going on throughout the first what four or five games and so i mean i guess the bye week has done well for that only player they look fresh as well as for um coach hogerson as well and so i mean it's not re- you you beat i'm like i mean you beat navy i mean good job you took care of business but not really much to just right home about Clayton looked he looked he looked really good I'm gonna give him his credit he looked good outside of a couple plays but other than that he he looked well you know and we could be saying this same thing next Saturday South Florida's one and six so they're not great shakes either but it's up to the Cougs to have another workmanlike performance and get the W win homecoming send everybody home send the Coug fans home happy and just continue moving down the line and get close and close to the goal of 
reaching the conference championship game. But Andy and Dayon, Tulane, because Andy, you mentioned that Tulane plays UCF and Cincinnati uh, to the last uh, two of the last three games. If Tulane just splits, splits those two because they beat the Cougs, they should qualify for the to represent, you know, a spot in the bowl game, in the conference championship game. I could lose both of them. They'll have two losses as long as the Cougs win the rest of theirs. Well, hey, <laughs> you know, yeah, there we that's go. The, that's the thing. Houston is in a position where if they take care of business now, I think the toughest looking at Houston's schedule specifically, uh, the toughest game remaining on the list um, could arguably be at SMU. I think that at East Carolina game on November 19th is up there in terms of the two toughest challenging um, games remaining for Houston. But that's a great point, Chris. They, after as much of a crazy season that they've had, as much of an inconsistent season that they had, are in a position where they can make run. And if they take care of business like they did today against Navy, against, I mean, to be flat out honest, against inferior opponents that Houston should beat, then they're going to have a chance to set out and do a lot of the goals that they've been talking about since uh, training camp, which obviously they had all the hype coming into the season about potentially being uh, one of those New Year's Six representatives. And, I mean, there were some national pundits talking um, of having them as high as potentially competing for college football playoff spot. Um, those expectations are long gone in terms of being that high to rank nationally. Uh, but it's still part to be able to salvage the, the biggest goal, which is being able to walk off the final year in the American Athletic Conference with a conference. I got you. One thing that I think it hasn't hurt the momentum with the season drawing out, playing out how it has so far is recruiting. They just got a big recruit, another big receiver. I don't have, I can't remember his name right off the top. Jonah Wilson. Jonah Wilson. Yeah. 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 And um, so it definitely hasn't hurt the recruiting because he has some big time offers for some other big time programs. And so um, a lot of young talent, Still making plays, uh, Sneed on the offensive end. A lot of the old you know, offensive linemen are young. And Andy, you mentioned how the the broadcast said they might have got saw Coley today. And so I can't help but wonder what the future looks like as far as all of the young talent they're accumulated, accumulated, and uh, continue to get in recruiting them and see what they bring them in. And so the I'm the future is optimistic as far as because they're getting talent. But developing them and putting it all together is a whole a whole another um, task at hand, I should say. And, and let me let me say this: I'm gonna, I guess, sounds strange the way I'm gonna phrase it, but kind of fall on my sword. But it looks like the players have not given up on Coach Hoverson. Okay, that wasn't questioned by you know not just me. You know, the comeback win against Memphis, the offense, the third quarter blips today against Navy. They didn't collapse. They didn't point fingers. They they held it together today, and they won by 18 points. So those look like positives that the locker room is still intact. So that, that's great to see because, you know, this conference is not great. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's not a great conference, but it's still up on the Cougs to win the games they need to win. And today was one of those games. Next Saturday, homecoming is another one. And they do that. Beat USF. They're 3-1, and one, halfway there. And then they get some help from somebody else. 
they still have a, a very good chance to be playing in the AAC championship game, which the players say is their goal. Now, let's ask the fans if a berth in the AAC title game would be enough to salvage this season or would it still be a disappointment? Yeah, I'd love to be able to hear from King Jaja MH or Daniel Satterfield, who I don't know if that's his name, Daniel Satterfield, Knoxville, or if he's in Knoxville, but he's chiming in there. Go Kooks, great win for Houston. Uh, while we wait to hopefully see some responses from some of our viewers on YouTube, uh, I do want to bring up this great point, something that we kind of touched on earlier in the first segment, but haven't really uh, focused on. Stacy Sneed. Stacy Sneed looked really good in this game against Nafi, and what MH said, he looked a lot more confident, had some great jukes, and saw lots of improvement in the run game. And he did kudos, have some great jukes. He did. Kudos to him. He made the best out of his opportunity because, really, he, we saw a lot more of him after Brandon Campbell's fumble, and he took advantage of it, and really, he made the most of that opportunity. He did, and he looked explosive. One time, right close to the line of scrimmage, he made a spin move and got out in the open field and had hit that one-two, what I call the one-two, on another defender on the outside. And he looked really explosive. People talked about his speed throughout the entire offseason, so you could definitely see um, his explosion. And he also showed his elusiveness today. And so big ups to Sneed. And he's one of these young players who I'm talking about, from Sneed to Brown to Golden, who is out. You still got Manjack and all the young talent that's accumulated specifically on the skill positions. I want to see what the young quarterbacks look like, but that's another story for another day. Jeff Perdue just chimed in and said, Tulane and UCF will play in the title game, according to hmm. Jeff Perdue in his predictions, which, again, I could, I could possibly see it. Now, the thing is that Tulane, hmm. UCF, and Cincinnati all play against each other, so that, that would be one interesting way if that shook off shook out, especially Tulane. Um, I mean, that's that would have been a dark horse coming into the season. No one would have thought that Tulane, but give credit to Willie Fritz and what he's been able to build down in New Orleans. King Jaja chimed in. He said, an AAC championship game plus a bowl win would be a step in the right direction. Uh, interesting. Well, he there he, he flat out said it. A game win plus a bowl win, not just an appearance plus a bowl win, which is what they did a season ago. So that I agree with King Jaja. That would be... Um, especially the way the first six games turned out. That would be a major success for Houston in this season now. And a big surprise to all of us, <laughs> I think, after the start to the season. That would be a great way to end the time in the AAC and head to the Big 12. That would be. I think the biggest reason why it would be a surprise is because Houston, if they are able to win out and they do get into that championship game, are going to play one of either UCF, Cincinnati, and Tulane. We already saw that they, they lost to Tulane, so... Um, Tulane has a head-to-head tiebreaker with, with Houston. But, yeah, I agree. That would be one amazing turnaround, and it would be a big plus for what Houston has been able to do. Um, on one final note, I will transition to a comment. But real quickly, I do just want to give a shout-out to, once again, Hoop and Holler, the Houston Cougars semi-collective, for being one of the sponsors of this show in particular. And they've been a sponsor all season long. So give huge props to them to be able to, once again, be one of the 
um, entities that kind of took a chance on us early and have been consistently been a sponsor of the show, a friend of the show. And once again, we like to take this opportunity to take advantage and self-plug. If you are interested in sponsoring Let's Rage Cougs in the future, whether it be for the remaining football games, any potential bowl postseason games when it comes to football specifically, or men's basketball down the road, we do have a primary sponsor for the first five men's basketball games of the season. The big non-conference game that is still open is that Alabama game, December 8th at Fertitta Center. If I have that date correct, December 8th is when Houston will play Alabama, I believe. And actually, let me let me make sure I have that date correct. December 10th is the date when Houston is going to play Alabama at Fertitta Center. That's going to be the big non-conference game. So, Sponsorship stop spots for Let's Rage Cougs on that game are still open. And if you haven't done so already, please be sure to follow us on social media at Let's Rage Cougs on TikTok and Instagram and on Pod Slamma Jamma on Twitter, like you see it on the screen. P-A-W-D-S-L-A-M-A-J-A-M-A. And on that note, once again, thanks Hoop and Holler for their uh, sponsorship of the show. Dan, you've mentioned it throughout. You're excited to see some of the other quarterbacks on the Houston roster. And I, I do want to point out, because this was an interesting comment that was brought up by the by the broadcast crew, the ESPNU broadcast crew. They said that they expected to see some of Lucas Cooley, who was a transfer from Arkansas that transferred to Houston over the offseason, that um, really he got a lot of attention when he did decide to commit or to transfer over to Houston, um, just in terms of what potentially he could be, potentially the quarterback of the future for Houston in the Big 12. And I think I found it interesting. I'd be interesting to hear from some of our viewers, some of our listeners, um, what they thought of there. They said that they expected to potentially see Cooley late in the game when Houston it was clear they were going to win. But correct me if I'm wrong. I heard them say that they potentially had a Cooley package or something like that, that the TV broadcast said. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hear that part of the package, but you guys help me with this. Does the four games still apply? If you don't play more than four games, you get a red shirt. Yeah. That rule still applies. Yes. Okay, so, I think that that's possible for what the Cougs want to do because I think we have heard that uh, he would be the redshirt, uh, be redshirted going forward, you know, in this season. But you know, if he came in to mop up today, that would not hurt his redshirt status. There's a package for him that would be kind of strange. They have a package designed for him because why would you give him a package if you're not going to really play him a lot to close out the season? But maybe they are. Who knows? I don't know about that one. Ask him about that on on uh, Monday, Andy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think um, the four um, what Chris just alluded to probably is something they're considering. And I'm wondering, last year, his last year, his first and last year at Arkansas, he didn't play. Did he get the red shirt year, or was that the COVID year? Did he get the COVID year? So he still has all four years. Of the coup, well, he's a redshirt freshman for yeah. Houston. So he's a redshirt freshman. So okay, so he did, that redshirt freshman did count this year. And so um, to Chris's question, I don't know if the four rules still applies to him since he already has um, used the red shirt. Mm-hmm. And so that, um, but I would love to. I just want to see about the, what the future holds. I mean, of course, I want him to keep playing and keep winning to it. Clay Tune is it does that, but I'm just looking forward to the future and specifically at the quarterback position because it's so vital. And Clayton Tune, I mean, he's done good, but he's only gonna be here at this last year. Thank God. No. <laughs> oh, damn. Good. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. 
I think that was just so just coming out day on. <laughs> on that on that note, I do King Josh, I'll pose the question. I do wonder what the the quarterback situation would be next season. Would it be Cootie's job or would it be another transfer quarterback to come in? I think in particular the, the reason that, that that little mention and honestly I can't I don't know if I'm just misremembering when I heard that part about the package with the when it comes to the TV broadcast, I have to go back and make sure they did say that. But they did mention Cooney's name, at least in that cleanup role, which I found interesting because multiple times throughout the season, Dana Hogerson has said that quarterback two for this team this season is Coleman Edwards. So that's why, for me, it was just interesting that they even mentioned his name at all. It could be something much ado about nothing, to be quite honest, when it comes to um, what they mentioned, the TV broadcast. But certainly it's something that that caught uh, my attention when they heard um, Before you move on, I think some of that could be when they talk to the coaches in their in their uh, meeting before mm-hmm. for the game, and so some of that they could be getting, and so it's definitely probably something to ask at the next press, whether he would be truthful about it or you know might not want to give it up to put it on the scale on the minds of their opponents. So it's respectable, and so but I, I think. That's something they probably he probably really did. They really did consider, and maybe they expected to to win big, and they had a package for him specifically for this game. If they did get up big, but whatever it is, I can't wait to see what the some of these young quarterbacks look like. And on that note, we'll transition to our final segment of the show, and we'll go uh, kind of type bowl, put a, a final nail in the coffin to the Navy game, look ahead, like you mentioned, Chris, against South Florida, and potentially rest the rest down the season. We'll also take a look down the American Athletic Conference. So we'll pick things up, but I do want to give one final shout-out to our primary sponsor in the Saxonian family for being the primary sponsor not only for this episode of let's rage cougs but for five episodes of let's rage cougs during the football season and they will also be the primary sponsor for the first five men's basketball shows once their season tips off once again less than three weeks away actually we're really close to just two weeks away um until the basketball team tips off against northern colorado on november 7th and i do want to point out for anyone interested in sponsoring be sure to contact let's rage cougs at gmail.com all lowercase that's l-e-t-s-r-a-g-e-c-o-o-g-s at gmail.com on that note we enter our final segment here of let's rage cougs uh i mean potentially we could even hear from data hogerson if uh athletics can get that clip in on time if not i mean we'll roll with the bunches um but whatever i thought Next, next, next week we'll be back at TDCU Stadium, so we'll have that clip of Dana Hogerson post game reaction. But just overall final thoughts on Houston Navy and looking ahead at South Florida, and we'll also look ahead at the conference. Uh, anything else that you guys wanted to add in particular? I mean, we've talked a little bit about everything in particular to the offense. I think I guess one final point that I want to make when it comes to Sam Brown and Keyshawn Carter, uh, two players that Dana Holgerson uh, pointed out uh, going back to his availability on Monday, his weekly news conference, where he said in particular, going back to the game against Memphis, where both of those players had some really good plays. Keyshawn Carter had two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and he had the go-ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter that helped Houston um, defeat Memphis. I think he said those two um, or those two players in that game against Memphis did tremendous to be able to build up their confidence. And he said uh, the previous week during Houston's bye week was the best week of practice that both of those players had had 
leading up to this matchup against Navy. And you kind of see that confidence carry over. And most importantly, you see the confidence in Clayton Toon with both of those receivers because he's starting to be, again, like we've mentioned throughout the show, he's starting to spread around more and he's starting to look to them. And most importantly, Dan, like what you said, they are making big plays and kind of it's a suffer. Self-fulfilling prophecy for uh, the lack of a better phrase, just more confidence all around, more plays being made by all of them. Yep, by all of them. I think when players know that their role has increased and they're going to get playing time, they're going to practice harder. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the thing that what we uh, hear and probably what he saw. And um, I think we've been saying this pretty much all year. I think more chances for the receivers to make plays downfield whether that's play calling, whether that's um, quarterback play, whether it's offensive line, different factors that are all playing to it. We've been wanting to see that, and we've been seeing that over the last two games. And so this, let's keep it continued. Keep spreading the ball around because it's a recipe for success. I mean, we don't just want to see it because we like it. That's what you need to do to win. And when you got um, Tank, who's been the best player on the field every game that they played this season while he's been on the field, you know that he's going to roll coverage you got to get your receivers in favor of matchups and when they can win and give them opportunity to win. And they've proven they can win those matchups. So now let's just keep, keep it going all the way around. And and let me say this, it, it was a good win. It was good performance by the coaches for play calling. I think they were more aggressive. The receivers caught passes. They got open, ran good routes. The Lions did a better job. Defensive line did a good job consistently throughout the game up front to open it up for the linebackers. So that's a plus against Navy. It's Navy. Yes, we know that. But it's a win. 18-point win. You'll take it. It wasn't double overtime, triple overtime, anything (laughs) heart-pounding, anything like that. They got another another team they're better than next Saturday, homecoming. 30,000, Andy. I'm putting out there 30,000 inside TDECU Stadium. And let me also say, I'd be shocked if it is 30,000 people there, 30,000 fans, because right now we, we don't even know the, the kickoff time yet. So because that won't be announced till uh, probably Monday or, or Sunday evening. So that's going to be a problem. Well, let, let, what about this? Is a good question. Will there be more people outside tailgating or inside the game? Oh. Well, I got a comment I want to make, but I'm not going to say it on record. See, Chris, uh, <laughs> no, I know because it's not quite with this sport. So, no. uh, so y'all know what I'm talking about with that. But yeah, next game gets South Florida. They're one and six. Yes, Muse under 500. Temple's under 500. That's the next three games for the Cougs. So they could go on a winning streak, go to five and one in conference. I'm not sure what that says about the Cougs. They'd be 5-1, beating teams they're better than. So that's not great competition, but it, beating those teams is way better than losing to them. <laughs> so, you know. Another thing to think about, we talked about earlier, remember when President Renew said she fired coaches who wins eight games. And if they went out, he, he might need to quote. Then Hogerson will get to nine and three, and that that'll be that'll be the mark that saves Hogerson's job. I, I kid. Um, I think I think Hogerson's here to stay, regardless of that eight and four, nine and three mark. But I think at the end of the day, Houston. It, it all jokes aside, I think they're in a really really good position now. They do have to take care of business, and again, not everything was all 
fine and dandy against Navy. There was that that stretch during the third quarter where they had those lapses where they were turning the ball over and with fumbles. Those are just uh, stuff like right, right there where that can't happen when it comes to four different fumbles, four different times that a player fumbled, three of them which were recovered to by Navy, and that could very much uh, cost Houston down the line against uh, much tougher opponents because it has already cost them in the past. So that's going to be something they're going to be looking to clean up. Staying with the positives, I think the number one thing, and we touched on it earlier in the show when it comes to penalties, Houston only had four penalties accepted against them, which is the lowest by far all season long. So that's been a step in the right direction that they've continued to you slowly see that transition. It was the first four games where they committed 10 or more penalties. Then it got down to nine, then it went down to seven and now it's down to four. So they're right there. You'd like to see that trend heading in the right direction. Now, Dan, you talked about tailgate and regardless of when the kickoff is, whether it's at 11 a.m. kickoff or if it's at 2.30 p.m., it's going to be a gorgeous day, at least when it comes to the early forecast. It's going to be lows in the 50s early in the morning. Um, the high will only be 74, so it is. Oh, it will be perfect weather for football. The fans do not have that excuse for TDCU Stadium next week. And he's making, he's adding to his, his bag now. He's a meteorologist. Now he's giving weather forecasts. How about that? All right. One of these days, I'm gonna get a green screen. Hey, he, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have voiceover. It. He does voiceover. We heard him on the intro. Andy, man, you're a bad guy. Yeah, versatility. Okay, so, you said, <laughs> so it's gonna be sunny next Saturday as well. Yes, sir. It'll be sunny. It'll be off the heels of a cold front that happens on Friday, a cool front. So okay. it'll be it'll be a gorgeous day on Saturday, at least this far out. Um, looking ahead at the forecast, but I mean, if it okay. does stick like that, it would be a gorgeous day for football. And I'll put this out there as well, based on either 11 a.m. or 2.30 p.m. kickoffs, if the weather's going to be cool and pleasant, the World Series, assuming the Astros get there, which we think they will, will not be until that evening, correct? Correct. So that won't be an excuse either, Coug slash Astros fans. Y'all can get to TDECU Stadium, have a a few adult beverages, either at 11 or 2.30 Sober up by six and go watch the Astros. So that's not if good. Playing, if they're playing at home, I'm not sure when game one and game two would be, but they could even take the train that's right by TDCU Stadium to Minute Maid Park. All convenient at Houston. I think by then they might probably be on the road. But I haven't thought of the schedule. But anything on that note, I do want to add one final stuff. Once again, big shout-outs to the defense. Um, they continue to play with their swagger. And like you mentioned, Chris Donovan Newton finished with 13 total tackles. He had five of them that were by himself on his own. Elias Bell continues to have a strong season. And he's really had big plays. He was the player that had the big sack to end the game against Memphis. So he continues to have a set of play. And he's been one of the most versatile players um, since the injury to Derek Parrish and a lot of the other injuries that Houston has sustained throughout the season. It's been talked he's been moved, you know, outside at defensive end. He's moved at, inside at defensive line and he's just been the versatile man up front for Houston on the defensive line so big props to him in the game he was able to put together um, for Houston he was recorded half a sack with Nelson Caesars alone sack of the game for Houston against Navy and then Jace Rogers the other player that continues to make plays he had the kickoff return against Memphis he had the interception against the midshipmen today uh, one final thing when we look across the conference Tulsa and Temple played yesterday on Friday and 
Tulsa defeated Temple 27 to 16. Now those are two other opponents that Houston has left in their season. Um, Temple just November 12th and Tulsa's the final regular season game. Uh, Senior Appreciation Day for Houston at TDCU Stadium. Thanksgiving week, November 26th. So those are two opponents there that Houston will see in the near future. Um, but Tulsa came away with the victory. You mentioned that Chris Cincinnati was able to hang on against SMU, defeated them 29-27. to And obviously, of course, the final score here, or not here in Maryland, Houston defeated Navy 38-20, to Memphis in Tulane. You already saw there um, that Memphis was in a huge hole. I guess we'll do a score update right there for Memphis. Now. It is now 28-0 for Tulane. I mean, Give props to Tulane, man. Willie Fritz, what he's been able to do there. This is the first game that they've had being ranked to the top 25 in the AP poll in, in a really, really long time, and they're making the most of it. And then UCF and East Carolina, they will tip off at 6.30 p.m. Central Time from Greenville, North Carolina, and those are the remaining teams they'll play uh, for the American Athletic Conference this week. And that's going to do it for this episode of Let's Rage Coods. We never got that Hogerson clip in on time, so can't wait for next week whenever we're much more in control of that. Um, Dayan, I'm going to toss it over to you. Actually, Chris, I'm going to toss it over to you first. Where can people find you, sir? And thank you again for being able to allow us to use the platform and be on your channel. As always, my pleasure to, to have this, the platform to provide for you guys for Let's Rage Cougs on the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel, HoustonRoundBarReview.com, Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram, and now Houston Round Bar Review on TikTok. Yes, I'm on TikTok now, Houston Round Bar Review on TikTok. I'm not going to dance. I'm not going to do anything like that. I might sing <laughs> if I ever get the feeling to do that again. Who knows? But I'm not dancing. But all those three platforms as well. Tonight on the Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube, we have a Rockets postgame show after Rockets play the Bucks. So tune in for that. And, of course, tomorrow also on the Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube. Folks talking sports. We'll also talk about more of Cougs Navy. We may talk about a certain scrimmage that took place today involving oh, Cougs and somebody have. else. We may talk about that uh, if we get some information. Um, so you never know about that. But, folks, remember, it is a scrimmage. A scrimmage, okay? So remember that. It's a scrimmage. But we're also going to have a special guest, Gabe Warren, the Rice House. We talked about the Cougs men's basketball getting recruits big time. Rice House doing their thing, too. They got to commit. And he's going to join us tomorrow as well on Folks Talking Sports from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Time. Chris, real quick, before I toss it over to you, Dayana, Chris, I saw your tweet earlier about, I guess this was yesterday when you were covering the Rockets game, and you noticed two people doing a TikTok dance. Man, yes. They had to be like, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. She put her phone down against a pole, backed up, joined her friend, and they proceeded to do a dance routine together <laughs> <laughs> right in front of the admin section that enters at Toyota Center. I'm just like... So that is not going to be on my <laughs> channel, okay? Trust me. Do not come to my channel looking for that. You get the point if you do. Don't do that. of the times, Chris, but uh, it's good to see that you, the Houston Rombar Review, is now on TikTok. And Dan, I'll toss it over to you. Where can people find you, sir? Uh, just like under my name or beside my name, you can find me on all social media, Dayon Dunlap. always appreciate you guys joining you guys. Like Andy also always mentioned, make sure you like and subscribe. Um, we got content on YouTube that you won't have anywhere else. It's exclusive. So make sure you like and subscribe. And um, and you can't end an episode without saying go Cougs. <laughs>